2: Good morning, Los Angeles, and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Warrior Show. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Clapper. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Cedars-Sinai for 31 years. What a busy week I had this week. Oh my God. But it was so much fun. I did slightly more hip surgery this week than knee surgery. Next week, it'll be the other way around. Next week, I've got eight knee replacements And two hip replacements to do. But I begin the week with three rotator cuffs of the shoulder. So I'm going to be busy next week. But this week was really exciting with all kinds of problems. One of the big cases I did was inheriting work done by someone else that I had to redo. Uh, It reminded me of being with my dad, the carpenter. He didn't build the house, but he remodeled the house uh, that someone else built. And that's how I feel... uh, about doing revisions and redo of other people's work. I'm so excited for today's guest. He's a surgeon at Cedar Sunny, a general surgeon, not an orthopedic surgeon. His name is Jason Cohn, and he's really expanded his love of medicine and surgery to include young kids who one day want to be a doctor, college students, medical students, who's not sure which specialty to go into, But it's mostly medical uh, college students wondering about going to medical school um and he asked me to get involved with this program it's a mentorship program and it's interesting because a mentor is different than being a teacher it's different than leaving a legacy there's more to being a mentor to someone than a teacher and a legacy um And it made me think all week about the world you know I love of art, of sports. Where do we see the whole idea of mentorship? Well, one of my favorite singers of all time, Dionne Warwick. Did you know that her cousin, her little cousin, was Whitney Houston? Dionne Warwick was so unique and so special as a singer, her career in the 60s, and 70s, she sold millions of records. I think I have the statistic here. She sold, in the first 20 years, she had 22 top 40 hits. Millions and millions of records. One of the all time, I think Aretha Franklin was the only one who sold more records than Dionne Warwick. But she was discovered as a teenager by Burt Bacharach and Hal David. Literally, Bert Bacharach had to get permission from her mother to be able to join him in the Brill Building singing some of the songs he and Hal David were writing. Bert Bacharach saw something, heard something that few others could observe. So she is an original. She's not being mentored by anybody. She's an original. But when her career took off, It was her decision to mentor and bring on board as a backup singer, her little cousin, Whitney Houston. And in a minute, you're going to hear mentorship from the perspective of the mentor. You're going to hear it from Whitney, from uh, Dionne Warwick's perspective, more so than Whitney Houston. And in sports, I'm going to do it the other way around. You're going to hear about mentorship from the perspective of the mentee. And who is that? Coach Phil Jackson, 11 rings, one of the greatest coaches of all time. But he gives full credit to his mentor, the great Red Holtzman, the coach of the New York Knicks. And yes, the Knicks did win the championship with Phil Jackson on the team in 1969 and 70. But Phil Jackson didn't play. He was on the bench because of back surgery. And it was then that Red Holtzman said, hey, buddy, if you're sitting here doing nothing, I'm going to have you do something. And in those days, there were no assistant coaches in the NBA, believe it or not. It was just the head coach. Phil Jackson technically was the first assistant coach ever in the NBA because Red Holtzman said rather than sitting there like a latke, which is a potato pancake in Yiddish, you might as well scout and diagram the plays of the teams that were about to play. And this is what lit the fire in Phil Jackson to become a coach and not just a player. You're going to hear his Hall of Fame speech, Phil Jackson, and how much he credits his mentor, Red Holtzman. And I'm also going to read a little bit from Phil Jackson's book, 11 Rings, about what he learned from his mentor, Red Holtzman. Clapper vision is going to be about Tua Tungvaluwa, the Miami quarterback, and his fractured dislocation of his hip. And lo and behold, he's now been named the starting quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. Ryan Fitzpatrick, have a seat. You've mentored Tua Tungvaluwa, but it's time for the young man to get busy. Can you imagine breaking your hip, dislocating your hip, and he's back on the field in the NFL? I'm going to tell you with clap revision why it actually was a good thing a lucky thing that when the ball came out of the socket it broke the bone that was key actually to helping Tua heal well enough to be able to play football again and the Clapper vision is going to be ordering an ice cream at Baskin Robbins and when they say would you like a cup or a cone you tell them I'd like both The ball of ice cream is the femoral head, the ball of the ball and socket joint. The cone it sits on is your femur, your thigh bone. But when you say, I'd like a cup also, and you put that cup over the ball, that's what your hip joint looks like. And a fractured dislocation is when the ball and the cup dissociate. When you actually lose the ice cream, you're in trouble. The circulation is bad when the ball and socket comes apart when it's the ice cream from the cup. But if you actually rip the cup, we can repair the paper cup very nicely so that it still holds ice cream. And that's the difference between a fractured dislocation versus just dislocating your hip. Bo Jackson did not fracture the cup. He just dislocated and the bone died because of circulation. If he had fractured the cup, the acetabulum, just like Tua did, you could fix it and you'd be running again. It's quite interesting. And we'll get into more clappervision Clapper Vision as the show goes on. The number's 877 710 ESPN. But Steve Paulette, I can't wait to do these sound bites. Let's get right into it. But let's get everybody's appetite wet because I want to play a song sung by Dion Warwick. The song is called Walk On By. And it came out in 1964. Listen to Dionne Warwick singing that song.
3: If you see me walking down the street and I start to cry each time we meet, walk
4: on by.
2: You're gonna hear Burt Bacharach describe what made made Dionne Warwick so special. And you can hear it in that song. Her range can go almost two octaves. I don't even know what that means. But all it means is she can go from California to New Jersey with her voice. She can make her voice low and then get super high. And that is a God-given talent. Let's listen to this unbelievable story of Dionne Warwick. From Burt Backrack's
3: perspective, how he first met her. Number one. I met Burt first. Uh, we were doing a background session. He had written a song with another songwriter, Bob Hilliard, called Mexican Divorce. And uh, the Drifters were recording it, and we, the girls, were doing the background for, as a part of the background group with the Drifters. And uh, after the first rehearsal, Bert approached me and asked if uh, if I would do some demonstration records of songs that he was writing with a new songwriting partner called Hal David. And I said, you know, sure, as long as it didn't interfere with my
5: education and my schooling. And
3: my, and my mother said it was okay. <laughs> Number two.
5: Well, I didn't know what we could really do at the end. I just knew she was wonderful to start with. That was a starter. And that she had some exceptional musicianship. Um, and as, as how David and I started to write for her, the more we, the more we recorded, the more we wrote, the more we saw what she was capable of doing. Number three. The first song was Don't Make Me Over, which is a pretty difficult song. I think it's an octave and a sixth. That's a, oh, it went for except so it don't make me over, and the end. Accept me for for what I do. Except So that's from there to there, which is that's an it's two notes short of an oct- two octaves.
3: Next, it was almost as if I was taking an exam every time I sang one of Backerex melodies, basically because of the intervals, um, also time signatures. He has no regard whatsoever for time signature. If the was writing a song in 4-4 time, which is common time, um, to throw a 7-8 bar in there, nothing to him. I mean, if that's the way he felt, that's what he wrote.
2: We weren't trying to write yesterday's hit song. We wrote the songs that we kind of liked. And in the beginning, I I think they sounded a little odd to some of the recording people. Number 6.
3: If you see me walking down the street And I thought
2: This is from
3: 1965
2: Listen to how she interacts with the audience So how does mentorship enter? She just knocks the world for a loop, Dionne, Dionne Warwick, because of Burt Backrack and Hal David. But she's got no one teaching her. But that little cousin, who's a background singer for her, Whitney Houston, starts to follow her along. Let's listen to Dionne Warwick talk about mentoring Whitney Houston. Let's go to number
3: eight. You know, Dion, the last time we sang together, we were standing around Nana's piano, and that's the truth. Mm-hmm. Don't you think it's about time we make our TV? Yes, I do. O-T. How well do I know Whitney? Well, let's see. 26 years ago, my aunt sissy said, guess what? We just had a girl. <laughs> uh, how well do I know Whitney? Whitney is my daughter that I didn't have. This is from that was from
2: 1986. Solid gold when they appeared together. Number nine.
3: Yeah, you've seen her grow up. Yes, I have. What kind of girl is she? She's a good girl. You know, something that she uh, was taught and has responded to as a young woman. She's a fabulous lady. What do you think about all that's happened to her? Deservedly so. Very, very talented. She works very, very hard, and she's earned it all. I think she deserves it.
2: And number 10.
4: There is a moment in your book you call, uh, when you write about passing the torch. And you say that indeed uh, the torch of uh, well, some of the people you've been talking about earlier, uh, um, uh, you know Ella Fitzgerald and and people like that, was passed to you, and you feel that you've passed it torch as well. In this case, to your to your cousin.
3: Yes, to Whitney, and uh, I think I made a good choice. (laughs) Very
2: good. The difference is that Ella Fitzgerald inspired Dionne Warwick. But Whitney Houston actually was mentoring, was mentored by Dionne Warwick because she traveled with her. There's a difference between being inspired by someone and actually being mentored by them. Number four, number 11, sorry.
3: She at a very, very young age, her mom, Sissy, uh, was on the road with me for a minute or two to do background work for me. And, uh, of course, during the summer vacations is when we had all the kids out on the road with us. So Whitney was called a nippy. <laughs> we referred to her as nippy. She's
2: there with Dionne Warwick, watching her, learning from her. And now here's one of my favorite. This is from a concert in 1997. It's the one and only time Whitney Houston sings deon warwick's song and wait till you hear her sing walk on by you'll think twice about deon warwick's version and you may even say deon warwick's version is better but the the talent that this mentee has whitney houston almost over showers the mentor let's go to number 12.
3: like i said i come from a family of singers and I have always, always loved this lady's songs. To me, she sang, if not the best songs, some of the best songs recorded in pop music.
2: Number 13.
3: She is one of the greatest songstress of our time. I'm talking about Miss Dionne Warwick, y'all. Yeah, that's right. I tried to psychically get her here is vibing her here, and uh...
2: That was a joke, cause she got involved with the psychic next work. And number 14.
3: Ain't that funny? <laughs> funny? I always do that to her, she always laughs, it's funny. I've never attempted to do any of my cousin's songs, but tonight, I think we are. We're gonna do it, you ready? Cool. If you see me walking down the street and I stop to cry each time we walk on by
2: Something special happens when you mentor somebody. You give a little piece of yourself to them. You're not just inspiring them. You're not just teaching them. There's a little bit of Dion Warwick in Whitney Houston. And there's a little bit of Red Holtzman in Phil Jackson. And every time I mentor a young student who wants to be a doctor, they get a little piece of me in them as well. Coming up next, we're going to get into it in sports. You'll hear the words of Phil Jackson talking about his mentor from the perspective of the mentee. It's just beautiful. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors Show here on
1: 710 ESPN. You're Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show presented by Cedar Sinai.
6: What's going on, LA? This is Kobe Bryant. I got two words for you. Forget about it. Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. How about that Weekend Warrior Show? Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. you <laughs> know the way to I've been
3: away Uh, What a beautiful person with a beautiful voice. Listen to how low
2: and how high she can manipulate that voice. And she mentors the great Whitney Houston. In sports, the greatest example for me of a mentor and a mentee is Phil Jackson, 11 rings, the name of his book. I'm gonna read from page 36. Phil Jackson writes, in December of 1968, I had a serious back injury that required spinal fusion surgery and took me out of the game for about a year and a half. The recovery was horrendous. I had to wear a body brace for six months and was told that I had to limit physical activity he couldn't play anymore on the team he was on the bench he said I wasn't worried about money because he had signed a two-year extension deal with the club after my rookie year but I needed something to keep me occupied so I did some TV commentary traveled with the team as Red Holtzman the coach informal assistant coach in those days most coaches didn't have assistants But Red knew that I had an interest in learning more about the game, and he was looking for someone to bounce new ideas around with. The assignment gave me an opportunity to look at the game the way a coach does, Coach Red Holtzman, specifically. So he asked me to break down the strengths and weaknesses of the teams we were facing and draw pictures of their key plays on the board. This forced me to start thinking of the game as a strategic problem rather than a tactical one. As a young player, you need to focus most of your attention on how you're going to beat your man in any given game. But now I began to see basketball as a dynamic game of chess in which all the pieces were in motion. It was exhilarating. Here's the part that really changed the way Phil Jackson thought about basketball that he learned from his mentor, Red Holtzman. He writes on page 31. One thing that fascinated me about Red was how much of the offense he turned over to the players. He let us design many of the plays and actively sought out our thinking about what moves to making critical games. Many coaches have a hard time giving over power to their players. But Red Holtzman listened intently to what the players had to say because he knew we had more intimate knowledge of what was happening on the floor than he did. How many times did we watch chaos with the Lakers and Shaq and Kobe and Phil Jackson would not call a timeout? How many times would we hear Chick Hearn and Stu Lance say he's not calling a timeout because he wanted the players to figure it out? Phil Jackson is a beautiful example of the result of mentorship. He's the mentee. Let's listen to his Hall of Fame speech and where it all begins for him and crediting his mentor. Let's go to number one.
0: Well, it's a terrific night. We've had some entertaining moments tonight, some great talks by coaches. And all of us know it's a player's game. But tonight, as a coach who's coming back having played in the NBA, I feel that uh, it's a great responsibility to give this game back to the players and understand it's their effort. And that's what I learned from Red Holzman. Number two. Tonight, I want to say some quick to-do's, to-dos to many people that have halted me on this path. The, people that I've worked for, the organizations I've worked for, from the Albany Patrons, the Quebradillas Pirates, the Isabela Gaitos, the terrific years with the Chicago Bulls, and of course the incomparable LA Lakers.
2: And now he's going to thank his high school coaches. But listen carefully, he's thanking someone who taught him. This is what a teacher and a student relationship is all about. He thanks his high school coach for teaching him certain things. It's different than being mentored. Number three.
0: The coaches I've had in my educational years, my high school coaches, both Petersons, HL and Bob Peterson. HL taught me, um, you know, no pain, no gain and Marine. And Bob Peterson, my high school basketball coach, taught me there's joy in this game and the pleasure of playing it.
2: But that's different from what you're about to hear. When a mentee thanks their mentor, number four.
0: My professional career, a lot of it's tribute to Red Holzman, who was a scout for the the New York Knicks. Saw me play in many situations when I was in college, and encouraged the Knicks to draft me in the second round behind Walt Frazier. Early in my rookie season, Red was named as the head coach and he allowed me to play with all these Hall of Famers that are here tonight. Earl Monroe, Walt Frazier, Bill Bradley, Willis Reed, Dave DeBuscher, Jerry Lucas, Cassie Russell. Number five. But probably the most pivotal moment in that career that I had with the New York Knicks was when I was injured after a very successful rookie year when I was named as an all-rookie, to the all-rookie team, was being injured in the middle of my second year with a very serious a career-threatening injury and had to sit out not only the rest of that season but the following season when the Knicks won their first championship in
2: 69-70. And number six.
0: Red not only encouraged me to stay a part of the game, but he also taught me a lot about watching the game. He would Remember say, one. you know, this is not rocket science. Defensively, you try to stay in front of a man offensively hit the open man. It was, he was a no nonsense guy.
2: Just like he says, Red taught him how to see the game, how to watch the game. You know who my mentor is, Dr. Ranawat. If you go on Twitter, at Dr. Robert Clapper, you'll see a picture of Dr. Ranawat and me with the biggest smile on my face. Because famously he taught me, the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. That's what Phil Jackson just said. Red Holtzman taught me how to see the game of basketball. Finally, number seven.
0: Basketball for him was a game that transitioned from the playground, and the offensive systems that were being used at that time were just something that he thought happened all the time. Red made me the guy that diagrammed the plays. And people that know me know I'm not much of an X and O guy, but Red recognized the fact I had a love for concepts and a love for the game.
2: That's the difference between teaching a legacy, being inspired by someone versus giving them a piece of you as a way of bringing them up. It's a beautiful thing and you should try it sometime because you're actually leaving something behind when you're retired, long gone, it still lives in someone else. That's why I'm participating in this mentorship program. And at 8.15, we're gonna hear more about it from the designer, Dr. Jason Cohn. I just can't get enough of hearing what it sounds like to be mentored. Steve Paulette, do us a favor, play a little bit first of Dion Warwick walk on by, and then I want you to follow it up with number 15, where we get to hear Whitney Houston, once again, singing the same song. The mentor, the original, singing it, and then what it sounds like when the mentee sings it.
3: This is Dionne Warwick,
2: 1964. Song by Burt Bachrach and Hal David, written for her. the range of that voice. You, this is what Burt Bacharach heard as a teenager and asked his mother for permission, her mother for permission, to sing some of his demo songs. Stop. Stop. Florence Greenberg was the head of Spectre, Spectre Records. Burt Bacharach had Dionne Warwick sing some cockamamie song he wrote. Florence Greenberg famously said, Forget the song, get the girl. And they signed Dionne Warwick to a record contract. Now let's hear Whitney Houston, the mentee, singing the same song. If you
3: see me walking down the street and I start to cry, each time.
2: This is like driving a Corvette and then finding out there's something called a Z06, which is turbocharged. Whitney Houston is Dion Warwick as a Z06 turbocharged. Coming up next, the clinic will be open. The number is 877-710-ESPN. We'll do some clap revision, and I want to tell you about the greatest French bread I've ever had in Los Angeles and the butter from France that comes with it. You don't have to fly to Paris anymore. I had it yesterday, and it blew my mind. We'll get into it, and your calls, 877-710-ESPN, and I'm gonna take you into surgery as well. What an unusual hip surgery I did this week. Something called heterotopic ossification, where extra bone grew in the muscle that blocked a lot of motion in this person's hip. Why does it occur, and what do you do about it? You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors Show here on 710 ESPN.
1: You're listening to the Weekend Warrior
6: Show, presented by Cedar sinai What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. It's a junior super deluxe. you got to be kidding me. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Ding, dang, dong. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers.
2: Mm-hmm. Welcome back Weekend Warriors You're listening to the great Whitney Houston The little cousin to Dionne Warwick but They were more than cousins They were mentor and mentee Dionne Warwick, a true original But mentored, her little cousin And she in many ways surpassed the mentor. Just like Phil Jackson, the mentee, surpassed his coach, Red Holtzman. But without Red Holtzman, you don't get a Phil Jackson. And without Dion Warwick, you don't get a Whitney Houston. That's why it's so important. And at 815, we're going to hear mentorship in my world of medicine and surgery. And how great the world is when you take a piece of yourself and give it to somebody else. Probably the greatest thing you can do with your life. All right, let's take some calls. The number is 877-710-ESPN. Clinics open. The lines are lit up. Let's go to Marvin. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help?
4: Yes, sir. Good morning to you. Good morning, uh, Marvin. How
2: old are you? What do you do for a living?
4: I'm 74, and I, do, uh, I serve legal process serving. Legal documents.
2: Where did you grow up? What did your father do for a living?
4: Uh, he was in the retail business. He came from New York to California, opened up a, a store for about 30 years, and, and the store went bye-bye after many well, years. Did you ever work in the store? Oh, yeah, since nine years old, nine to 20. Really?
2: You learned how to make change at nine years old?
4: Oh, yes. Worked hard.
2: Wow. <laughs> Did you hate every moment of it, or did you love it because you at least were with your dad in the store?
4: I was learning. Uh, It was tough, but uh, trying to understand what was going on. But I was still young and, you know, just wanted to be helpful. And what did his father do for a living? Uh, His father was a, uh, I believe he was a meat cutter. I didn't know him that well. Mm -hmm.
2: It's interesting, a meat cutter. You know, that's a that's a skill you can take when you leave Russia or Germany or wherever they came from, Poland, and you come to America, you at least have a trade, you have a skill. Uh, retail is tough, though. But that's how Levi Strauss got involved, and that's how he made jeans, uh, by learning all about retail. So interesting. And is this the first career you had, or did
4: you do other things? No, I... From my father, I, I went to school, got my, my degree, and then I went into retail as well. And from retail, I decided I didn't want to work those long hours. Mm-hmm. So I went to try to work at a bank. And from the bank, I, uh, they weren't hiring, but they lead, led me to a, uh, to a department that was doing the legal work. And mm. that's how it started my legal.
2: And what high school did you go to?
4: Grand High School in Sherman in Van Nuys.
2: What year did you graduate?
4: Sixty-five.
2: Wow. So were you in high school during the
4: riots? That is correct.
2: What was that like?
4: (laughs) Nervous. Uh, I was working downtown in my father's store. It was it was crazy, crazy time.
2: Wow, man, you've lived through a lot. There's a lot in that. Are you a Laker fan?
4: I enjoy all sports. Yeah, I'm a Dodger d- fan. Yeah, I'm I'm not a crazy fan. I, I I just enjoy all sports.
2: And what do you do to stay in shape? You go to
4: the gym. You play tennis. What do you do? Well, that's that's why I'm calling. Uh, because of the gyms were closed, I dusted off my my golf clubs, got off the co- cobwebs, and I went out to the uh, driving range, warmed up, and uh, started hit balls, and as I was swinging away, all of a sudden, my, my right elbow went into a, like a cramp tendinitis, I guess mm-hmm. you call it, and then I went to, a, uh, went to see an orthopedic, and uh, he says that uh, you have tendonitis, and he gave me a cortisone shot, and mm-hmm. now I'm trying to recover. And I want to know do you listen, Do you listen to the show? Occasionally,
2: yes. Do you ever hear me say, don't let someone give you a cortisone shot? I
4: have heard that, yes.
7: (laughs) Well,
2: thank you very much. Um, So here's the key question. When you have your hand, right hand or left hand? Right hand. And are you a righty or a lefty? Righty. When When you have your arm, your right arm, and the palm is facing up, which is called supination, is the pain in your elbow on the thumb side of your elbow or on the pinky side of your elbow? The pinky side. All right, so you actually have golfer's elbow, not tennis elbow. Tennis elbow would be aches and pains and tearing of the tendons and muscles on the big on the thumb side of your elbow with your palm up. You having it on the little t- little finger, the pinky side. That is a golfer's elbow. And you got to be careful when you shoot some there with cortisone because the funny bone nerve, better known as the ulnar nerve, is right underneath the skin there. Um, and what it is is, it, here's a clapper vision for you. You know what clapper vision is, right? Do you know what clapper vision is? Yeah, yes, I have heard that, yes. Okay, okay. so I'm going to give you a clapper so you understand what's going on. Clapper vision. The way under the microscope, the way a muscle looks like it's attached to bone is literally like two pieces of Velcro, the male and female side of the Velcro, and you got to pull it apart. Microscopically, the muscle is anchored into the bone, just like two pieces of Velcro. And what you've done in dusting off those golf clubs and start swinging is you ripped like the Velcro being pulled apart, you rip microscopically the flexor muscles that allow you to grip, uh, grip those golf clubs, you've ripped it right off the bone. So when you have pain, it's because microscopically those muscles have been torn. Tell me the, the point of shooting something in there to make it numb as a means of making you feel better, but it's temporary, it doesn't cure, it doesn't solve the problem, and it actually in the long run weakens the structures. So it's my intent always to try to be holistic. Try to figure out how to get your body to heal itself without surgery, without a shot, without a pill. If that doesn't work, that's a different story. That's why I'm a surgeon who's very busy doing surgery. But you always want to try to avoid surgery first. And the way you can help out that microscopic tear is by nurturing it. So going online inexpensively, five bucks, ten bucks, you can buy a sleeve made of neoprene that. Basically, you pull over like a sock pulling over your elbow. What that does is it quiets down the persistent tearing that would take place. This isn't isn't a time to do exercises because you've hurt yourself. It needs to heal. Then later, you can begin by getting your range of motion back by stretching. And then once it heals, begin strengthening exercises so it doesn't come back again. Things that are very helpful to the flexors nurturing. You can go, uh, you can't go to Chinatown anymore. I don't know what stores are open, but you can buy online those two balls that chime, boating balls, they call them. They're inexpensive. Rotate them in your hand is very helpful to microscopically talk to the flexors at your forearm. Wearing the sleeve, I told you, is helpful. Taking a sheet of newspapers, crushing them, and making a ball with your fist. Not just squeezing a ball, but rolling up the piece of paper into a ball and fill a waste paper basket every day. This is going to take time for this to turn the corner, particularly now that you put cortisone in there. But get ready for this to take you a good one to two months to feel better. But ultimately, ultimately if you make it stronger, it not only goes away, but you'll keep it from coming back again so you can exactly play golf again. And you may have to critically look at the grips you have on those old golf clubs because that may have been the source of this to begin with. You may need a fatter grip so you don't have to scrunch your hands so hard and pull that muscle. Does that help,
4: Marvin? I appreciate your your suggestion. I I will take that into into, uh, thought and and try to apply it. (laughs) It's my pleasure to help you, Marvin.
2: Do me a favor. You're a total stranger to me, and I just help you. The way you can thank me is you find a total stranger today. Do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me. I will do that. Thank you, sir. All right. God bless you, Marvin. All right. We'll take a break. We'll take some more calls. Clinics open. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors Show here on 710
1: ESPN. You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show presented by Cedar
6: sinai What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Hey, Robbie. Do you like donuts? Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper.
2: I love donuts.
6: Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers.
2: Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. I don't even want to interrupt this beautiful song. The great Whitney Houston. But too many callers, the clinic's open. I was going to tell some stories, and I do have to tell you about the greatest baguette, French baguette and butter I've ever had in Los Angeles. But I want to respond to all the lines being lit up. So let's go to Santa Clarita. Jim, are you there? Start the clapper. I am here. Jim, how old are you? What do you do for a living? Are you there? Yep. How old are you, Jim, and what do you do for a living? I
7: just turned 60 years old. I uh, install uh, commercial air conditioning.
2: Oh, wow. Do you install in the duct the ultraviolet light that sterilizes some of the bacteria? I do. Um, there's been
7: some new technology out there lately. There's a system called iWave, and it's uh, ionization. I, I think it's a little bit better, but it depends mm-hmm. on who you talk to. I mean, and all in all, it does the same thing in the end, so it's good to
2: have. Isn't that incredible that just shining an ultraviolet light or using ionizing can actually kill the bacteria? I, I just, you know, Leonardo da Vinci, towards the end of his life, dedicated himself to learning more about the things in life that are invisible. So he studied intently the tides in the ocean. He studied intently wind and its effect on trees and its effect on nature. He studied wind and tide, tides in the ocean, things that were invisible. For us, being able to kill a bacteria with something that is invisible basically is i just think that's the coolest thing in the world good for you all right how can i help you what's up
7: well i've been dealing with an arthritic condition i guess for like 30 years it's never really been super serious i mean i've dealt with a lot of pain and stuff but um i've always been to kind of you know overcome it without i'm to be honest i'm terrified of the medication that's out there for arthritis
2: Mm -hmm. Um, you are correct good I first got it, they were
7: giving me this methotrexate stuff, and I Mm -hmm. I did a little reading up on it, and I was like, oh my god, I'm not going to put this stuff in my body anymore, so I've just been trying to deal with it, you know, pretty much with um, you know, diet and exercise, I'm pretty active, and, uh, but recently I've been getting it into my fingers and my feet primarily. Mm -hmm. I love to golf, I love to surf, and both things are being affected by this, and I'm like, I'm to the point now where I don't take a couple of a leave before I go do something, and then again, after I finish, so I'm okay the next day, I'm, you know, I'm a mess. I just, you
2: know. Right. So I don't know now, do you have rheumatoid arthritis? Do you have psoriatic arthritis? What kind of arthritis do you have? Well, when I was first diagnosed back when I was about 30, they did say it was rheumatoid arthritis.
7: Um, okay. I guess I've lived in denial forever, and I've just, you know, like I said, tried to get through it myself, but. Starting to catch up
2: by day. So I will tell you this, and I've been in practice for 31 years, and I'm about as skeptical as it gets about you know uh, shots and pills and the whole medical pharmaceutical industry. But if you ask me, where has been the greatest advance in my world and in my lifetime? It has been in calming down the autoimmune response. With, which is what you have, your body is attacking its own cartilage, thinking it's kind of like uh, installing one of your ducts. If you get a splinter of aluminum in your skin, I'm sure you've had plenty of splinters in your life installing air conditioning. Y- you know that that is a foreign material and your body, when you get a splinter, really lights up with redness and swelling and weeping to try to get rid of the splinter that's a foreign body reaction we call it and under the microscope you see all kinds of white blood cells and all kinds of reaction by your body to get rid of that splinter well you in essence your body thinks the cartilage in your fingers in your toes in your neck in all your joints that white cartilage that coats the end of the bone is a aluminum shard splinter and it's foreign and your body is now reacting to try to get rid of it even though it's your own cartilage that's what autoimmune means it means your body is attacking itself and you are right when I started 31 years ago we had these god-awful drugs methotrexate even they gave people gold real gold they didn't know what to do with people like you and everybody got massive doses of steroids which is also just filled with all kinds of horrible side effects but I will tell you Jim. If there's ever been an advance where the side effects are minimized and the upside is so worth it, it's in your world of rheumatoid arthritis. So yes, I would tell you to take up needlepoint to keep the movement in your fingers. I would tell you to wear New Balance sneakers because I think they have a wide enough shoe and a beautiful arch support. And I'm not being paid by them to endorse their sneaker or any sneaker. But those would be the simple things I would tell you for your hands and your feet. But you absolutely should go see a smart, nice rheumatologist. And the, one of my favorites of all time is at Cedars. And her name is Lillian Zidlow. You can look her up. She spells her last name beginning with the letter S. And there's a Y and a Z in it. L-O-W. Lillian Zidlow. Go meet her she'll she'll introduce you to some of the the really revolutionary medicines that we didn't have before and would literally be life-changing for someone like you um it's not surgery it's not injections but for you to be able to surf and play golf and for the first time in your life not have that pain and stiffness those drugs and she'll go over them with you would really be a life changer for you a game changer so go ahead and do that does that help Absolutely. Thank you very, very much. I appreciate it. All right, Jim, do me a favor. You're a total stranger to me. I never met you before. You can thank me by you finding a total stranger today. Do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me. I'll do that. All right. God bless you, Jim. Thanks for calling. Okay, Warriors. Coming up next, I'm going to tell some stories about mentorship because my guest at 815 has started a program at Cedars that I'm so proud of and I'm going to participate in. I already have my first mentee checking in with me to take someone through the world of medicine. But that world of mentorship exists in the other worlds I love of art and sports. For me in sports, it's Phil Jackson being mentored by his coach, Red Holtzman. And you hear what he learned from his mentor. But if you really wanna hear a mentor and a mentee, you listen to Dionne Warwick and Whitney Houston. She, Dionne Warwick, was the mentor to one of the greatest voices that we've ever had. But don't discount Dionne Warwick. She was the greatest of her time as well. We'll get into it coming up next on the Weekend Warriors Show here on 710 ESPN.